Hola, hola, GNGs. So this is uh, Trek, and this is Trek and Cryptos to Connect. This is the part two of the conversation I had with Felty256. Um, like I said, this is a couple months ago, and it isn't actually within the regular time period of how I push stuff out um, content-wise, but I felt that this was definitely warranted to push this out and having that conversation with him, you know, um, in memory of a good dude, uh, the space definitely lost a, a good person, somebody who was actually, you know, working to help push the 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 real level mass adoption, not the stuff we talk about now with like, you know, let's come up with things that really just help rich people get more rich, but I actually like doing stuff that was for the everyday person. Um, and granted, he was doing it from the gaming side of it, you know, as far as what Vin Yen was, Vid Yen, um, was doing, but, um, good dude nonetheless. I always enjoyed having the conversations with him when I would go out to Philly for the, um, the Bitcoin or the, the crypto meetups out there, and Philly lost a good dude, man. I don't know why, but I feel like this is just really weird to be in the crypto space and then have someone pass that you know in the crypto space. I don't know why, but G&G's um, listen up to the rest of the conversation and we get into a bunch of other things. Um, so, you know, stay tuned, G&G's. Can I make a wild prediction on here? Nothing that related with crypto, but kind of indirectly. I feel like probably the generation that grows up with a functional VR headset, mm. they no longer consider real world items valuable. Like I'm gonna, I, I, I recently, unfortunately, uh, my one of my my father has had dementia, so we've had to do a lot of house cleaning, mm -hmm. and he's got like stuff that's like you know 100, 150 years old. And the market for these things on eBay have just dropped drastically. Now the stuff they're made of, you know, gold and silver, they're still, you know, they can still sell those for no, no value, but historical objects, at least on eBay, like I'll go around, I went to all these stores around looking if anybody wanted to, I ended up getting them to the Philadelphia simply because no one really cares anymore about history stuff, like these old books that were from the 1890s, and it's like, to me, is like I, I feel like a little Indiana Jones saying, "Well, this, this belongs in a museum." But it seems like, as far as like money-wise, there's so much of this old stuff, and the newer generations don't care about that anymore. They want, you know, they I heard somebody. I saw somebody on Twitter said, "You know, my granddad wants twenty dollars in cash. My son wants twenty dollars in uh, Fortnite bucks." So it's, it's okay. So it's, yeah, here I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw it on that one. The difference being what what I'm associating with it is that. Um, it goes to the same thing in regards to how we looked at money, right? Yeah. yeah. And that I don't want to carry a satchel of copper and silver. I don't want to carry a wallet of, of 20 or 50 bucks, right? Um, I don't want to have a wallet with different credit cards in it. I just want to have my phone and doop, I tap it with the Apple Pay, doop, I hit it with the beep, like So on that end, what I, what I say... Where, okay, I'm gonna say it this way, and I said this to somebody the other day about art, because um, they were talking about. Ooh, excuse me. 
about how technology, no, it was a post on Twitter, and I was like, yo, this is so dope, and I get what this girl is saying about being able to integrate technology and art together to create something of a new, um, a, new a, a new medium, and I said, you know what's crazy is, give it a couple, give it a couple, maybe a couple of decades or whatever, and it will be a retro thing to be like, yo, I'm using an actual paintbrush, and I made the paint. Because remember, like, think about, like, the Renaissance period that before, and even, like, now, you have people who create their own paint, people who are still using paint, yeah. oil paint, or acrylic paint, whatever, but, like, that whole thing of we're going to get to a point where making or using a paintbrush is going to be like, oh, man, you're, like, old school, like, but... We're going to yeah. go through that, that shift, and then, like you said, like we're going to look at the, the hard assets, the real world things, and go, okay, well, I don't want that anymore. Why? Because I need yeah, yeah. physical space for it. I don't want to have to deal with the physical space. I can have all of this fancy stuff in my, in my phone, in my whatever smart device I have, like, yeah. right? And then, I'm trying to remember the company. Um, uh, in just a second there's the company who's the valve from steam they had the there's the oculus facebook headset but there's the other one i think it's like uh the phone company made it um it starts in h hcz vive they had a truck that the hcz vive phones they made a vr headset competitor uh, and i went to the bus and felt when it came to like south street and they had a program for five minutes you'd be in this room they give you two handles of the VR headset, and you had this paint program in 3D, which you could just like these. It was kind of weird because it's like, you know, like sparklers that don't stop. <laughs> like you really have like a purple neon light, and you push one button to change the color. It's like painting in 3D. It's kind of weird, but I guess it's kind of awesome at the same time. And you could walk, you could like step, walk one side of it because it was a room VR. Um, oh, there was wow. somebody in there would make sure you wouldn't hit the wall, but uh, it was a really cool demo. Uh, my only problem about that headset is like $700, and then, of course, you need the space for it. <laughs> you actually need, like, a, some place in your house to, like, walk around without mm -hmm. running into the wall. So, but, yeah, I, I think that it's basically that's how it's going to be in 10 years is people in these boxes with their stuff that's all completely virtual. I don't know if it's going to be like um, – that's where I'm thinking the non-fungible token can play because if you had, like, a one-of-a-kind item on the blockchain – that might be valued to you compared to like an item that everyone can have. Does that make sense? And then I don't know. You have like a, yeah, you'd have like a, I guess a room this big or your apartment and like empty except for a bed. But when you put on the headset, you see everything and all your items and you could have like a swipe and just like roll the wall like you had like a mile wardrobe or something from like the Matrix. Something like that. That's kind of a visualize how people grow. When somebody grows up with that, I think they're no longer going to see everything in the real world like our, our you know, diamonds, sneakers, or purses. They're not going to see that as valuable. They're going to see the thing in their world as the valuable thing. We'll be, <laughs> the older generation will be stuck with all this stuff probably that right. we, we can't sell anymore. <laughs> Right. Like, like I was telling I was telling my son the other day something about that. I was like, listen, like on this crypto thing and this technology and stuff, right? For his younger brother, they're so like three or four, right? And I was like, listen, when you're my age, right? I'm late thirties. Thirty nine actually. 
they are going to grow up in this existence of where sliding, just looking at something, clicking your wrist on it, saying a certain word, calling out to it, that's going to be a part of the everyday thing for them. And then you're going to look and be like, yo, I remember when you couldn't do that. Like, and and they're going to look at you like, what do you mean? Like, you couldn't do what? Like, what this? And, and they'll do a bunch of different things. You know, and, and there's a, what, like a 15, 19 year age difference between them. So it, it's just so interesting to me for, you know, I've been telling them, I've been telling him about crypto since he was like in middle school, right? Um, but I, I still don't think they fully get why I'm always ranting and raving about this whole crypto blockchain thing. Um, and then trying to get them to understand, like, listen, you know, you don't have to follow the traditional nine to five scheme in order to make a living. Yeah. There's other things you can do in this space. And I don't think they 100% get that part of it as to why I'm pushing it the way I'm pushing it. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I, to be fair, I realized <laughs> I hang out with a lot of gaming communities, like, you know, like, uh, I guess, Guild, um, uh, I guess, gaming clans. But a lot of the younger people, um, I've seen they, like, when they get a gift card, or they get a free game, it's not a big deal to them. Uh, and I really, and it, like, and it occurred to me why this happened. Like, if you give them something for free, they doesn't, they never are satisfied. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the next generation, but I guess at some point you have to realize you have to go without, or have to like have some effort to. So I don't think you get that until like you have like actually had a nine to five job. But at the same time, I know a lot of these people, they live out in the red, like the Rust Belt. They, a lot of them don't have jobs. It's hard, like the jobs, that, like when I was in the 90s, I worked at a CD store or a bookstore. Those don't exist anymore. Right. And you cashier, but people are in their 60s being cashiers now. So like the people that are in high school are competing with people who twice their age, I guess, is the best way to play it. So I, it, it's, bro, it's, I, I feel like it's not, yeah, I don't, I'm not the same, the younger people, I'm not going to blame them for not having jobs at this point, but saying that I feel like some of them may not see cryptocurrency as much as somebody who's. I remember when I started noticing the shift of older workers in fast food work. And where it wasn't just a, oh, I'm working at high school, I'm in high school, and I'm in my senior year, and I'm doing this after school, or I'm in college, and, you know, this is, like, it was, this is, like, I want to say I noticed it, like, around the 2000s, after, like, a little bit before 2005, definitely, and it was just interesting to see, like, and at that point, you know, um, and going to different cities and states because of what I was doing at the time. Um, and it was definitely something to know. But what I also know with this generation, and I think this is where cryptos and um, the, the gig economy can have that, um, that connection, is that like, I know people now because like I had to do certain things too with dealing with the gig apps. So looking at like TaskRabbit or Grubhub or uh, yeah. uh, Instacart and like, you know, I know people yeah. who, yo, I've met people who will run Grubhub, Instacart, DoorDash, and this other one that I can't remember right now. And they'll be like, yeah, like I do that, I make a thousand a week. Yeah. 
I'm just like, okay, like, you want your grind. I respect you for it. Yeah. I think what's happened recently is there's no kind of what I had to do myself is like become become my own entrepreneur because I think there's not going to be like the people that expect to have like everything taken care of for them by a company or a job has become untenable and that literally you have to become your own if you don't if you don't necessarily start your own business but you got to like you know do Uber or you know the you got to figure out some other things got to figure out your own idea and a lot of people aren't comfortable with that and that's I, I, but the neat thing is I all, most of the people I see in crypto space um, are you know go-getters and like that's the thing is like usually people are negative in the crypto scene leave the crypto scene <laughs> but if you're like in like a the goth scene or rock and roll there's always gonna be negative people but they don't live this scene because they're you know there's no money incentive to be going to these concerts and stuff but mm-hmm. the um, trauma that I see on, you know, crypto Twitter, generally you don't have somebody sitting there like telling I'm not going to, I'm gonna, not going to do anything with my life. I'm going to sit here and do nothing. Right. You don't really see that like in Twitter. It's like, um, it's usually people who like, you know, I'm going to start my own business. Even if I don't do it officially, I'm going to do it. And we, we all say that like, like figuring out what your niche thing is between what you have a skill set already or what you're willing to do, right? Um, the other day I was listening to this guy, Reggie Middleton, um, and he was talking about like understanding the difference in the mindset and the practice of what capitalists do and what the working class do. And he was breaking it down like you have different level working class, like you can be a higher functioning job class, like um, a lawyer or a doctor. But guess yeah. what? You're still a you're still a working class person, and you know, just because you don't do physically labor intensive work doesn't mean you're not in the working class. But his yeah. thing was about understanding how to look at capital and money. Um, in that, I think this generation or this younger generation underneath our our thing, like the millennials and below, their understanding of money or trying to figure out how to acquire it is a different thing than how we were taught growing up on the end of, hey, um, work for what you, you know, earn what you work for, work for what you earn, earn what you eat, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's like, if you got to go out and do whatever kind of job thing, go do it and get the money and then, you know, take care of what you got to do. And at a certain point, I think within less, like, I want to say, like, yeah, I can say, you know, within the the, the time period of crypto, but I think it started kind of before that where we went to this whole thing of, like, you can have but not actually have worked for it Um, in the the laborous sense, right? And the understanding that there's a difference between when a capitalist does work and then when a laborer does work. Um, And so I think that for where things are going now, like, yes, with the technology, there are things that you can do where you don't have to go through physical work. You can have a more um, enjoyable work-life balance for sure. You know, like, look at, look at, do you remember when Fiverr first started out and how people oh, yeah. were, like, really doing good on Fiverr? Now it's, like, just really swamps with a 
whole bunch of stuff on there. And now you got to kind of up your game to try to get somebody to do blah, blah, blah. But, you know, and then even the same thing with, um, um, what's the name of it? Upworks. Oh, yeah. So it's the same. Like when they started out, like the freelancing in that in that um, field of whether you want to talk about a virtual assistant or a proofreader or whatever. And now you got to really up your game to be able to sell you know, your skill set that somebody would actually pick you. Um, yeah. But I also still think that there's more options available, even and not and not just like the millennials, but even to the older folks. Um, I, I want to make a point there because I had dealt with Fiverr and Upwork extensively. There's an issue on Fiverr that uh-huh. now you was the other one. Uh, the, um, there's, you're saying you have to sell yourself, but there's a very big thing on Fiverr where people fake themselves. Like these people claims they're from they this country, yeah. nice photo, and you you kind of get this feeling that that person's not and looking at the ruse, especially if it's like writing or a, a thing that requires English grammar. This person doesn't, they may not be a native speaker like they said they were. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of hit or misses, especially with these. I've, I've had, I literally had somebody try to cheat me on Fiverr once. Um, literally, I, I did an artwork and he stole, I, the thing was he stole an image of somebody, an artist that I actually knew and liked. <laughs> it's like, but he tried to paste, do a copy and paste, and I reported him, like, posted the original image of where I, because it was like a Japanese artist. So mm-hmm. With Upwork, that was a hit or miss, too, uh, but it's a little bit more professional on there. It's just I generally, I try to have a conversation with them to make sure they're not fake, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I hit it off with this one guy because of, basically, we had similar likes, and I just, you know, you're allowed to have, like, a little interview with them on Upwork, because they're a little bit more, I guess, a little bit more classier than, up, than that, Fiverr. That's but, a new thing they started doing, though. That's, yeah. like, within, what, I want to say, like, the last year and change, they started doing that, which I think is a good thing. Not saying it's not Upwork, um, but that's something that they recently enough started doing, because I was messing with Upwork back in, like, like, 2016. Yeah. Yeah, like 2016-ish um, period for some stuff. And like you said, it's kind of like a hit or miss kind of thing. And you kind of kind of have to feel out, like, is this person working well enough with what I'm trying to get done? Yeah. Um, but I... Yeah. The guy that I got eventually, we hit it off on a website that we hung out on a lot, uh, like an anime website. Mm. Uh, he was he was also a college student. Basically, I was paying for his beer money. He would often do things for free. Sadly, he moved back to the Ukraine. So sometimes I wonder was he really in North Carolina? But he uh, was a cool dude. And he did a lot of stuff on the narrow. Uh, I'm gonna give his name out, but uh, if you look at the GitHub, he's on, he was on the history of that. So, um, but yeah, he there, he was an interesting fellow. But I I feel bad because I wish I could get back in touch with him. He didn't cheat me, by the way. He just kind of like, hey, I I can no longer do jobs for you. Like, damn, now I have to find somebody else. I have to find a new person. But by then, I had learned to start doing most of the work myself. This was like early or mid 2018. I okay. basically, I kind of learned how to do most of the stuff that I need to now. And, and now I've literally got an intern today. Hopefully, he's not messing up. <laughs> um, okay, so but, you did um, get the intern. Yeah, I did get the intern. Okay. So I'm, I'm basically teaching him in PHP uh, the JavaScript and passes do some like leaderboard stuff today. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of what I'm doing with that. So 
I still, but the thing I get from him, I don't know that he's probably looking for, probably speaking on behalf of him, but I told him this is going to be a very entrepreneurial bench. You'll probably see me having conversations like doing this kind of stuff and, uh, um, you know, talking to like investors and whatever, I guess at this point, um, potential investors. But um, I think the issue is that the other thing with the crypto crypto mindset is that it's not you know, when you work for a regular job you expect to be paid by the end of the week or end of the two weeks or alrighty GNGs you know what time it is gotta pay those bills talk about the sponsors and stuff so first official sponsor for the podcast is Hoddle Brand if you add the .ca to it that's the website check it out for the 50-50 fitteds that's the hats right there and also for the tees coming out with some pretty good looking refined um, urban wear kind of gear man if you're about that Bitcoin hodling or about that crypto in general hodling definitely look to check out HoddleBrand.ca and definitely get some swag for yourself and once again I want to say thank you and big shout outs um for Hoddle Brand coming on to be the first official sponsor for the Trekking Cryptos to Connect podcast. You Yeah, but with this, like, you know, I'm doing this, I'm having fun doing this, but, you know, sometimes I go out there and do things and there's no monetary reward immediately. Like, I don't even know yeah. how I can judge this. Like, it's like an ad. I have no idea how to, like, how to, see I just want this to get out there and start talking but there's no like I there's no monetary return and some people don't like that idea it's like well, I don't want to do things where there's no metric on how I get a return and that's like with crypto like you buy something you have no idea unless you were very knowledgeable whether you're going to get a return now and you might get a, you know, it goes up 10% today or you know you might get something longer if you wait six months or a year or five years it's like mm. you have to have that mindset as well I'm going to do something now but I hopefully will get something big in return. But because of the way the industry works, I'm not going to be guaranteed that. But I'm just doing this in hopes to get that working. And okay, so let me throw, let me jump down that a little, little bit. So the other day, I had a friend come to me and was like, "Listen, I'm interested in doing a podcast. Um, how do I, you know, get started in it and stuff?" And I'm like, "Are you sure? Like, this is really what you want to do? Because I'm gonna tell you now, like." don't expect to see shit for like the first year and change like and and if you're not really about the social media aspect and she's so not about the social side of it i'm like then you better start like hiring someone out to do it because in the way that this space is working right now and how this market is about to really grow in this year going forward you either are going to jump on the bandwagon and do the same stuff everyone else is doing and then make your name through that or you're going to be totally over here on the side and then do what you're doing and continue to build what your brand and stuff is and then build your your group your 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 loyal people from the ground up as opposed to well let me buy my first thousand people as like followers or whatever whatever right or let me buy or pay out for a um, a retweet or a, a like service right and in the beginning like like honestly and, and she asked me specifically for my situation I was like well, where I'm at right now it's literally just me building the brand out 
Like, I'm not doing trendy topics. I'm not going after big name people. So those two factors, if you want to talk about the whole way that you would do a podcast, I'm not following it at all. Like, yeah. And and it makes for a harder um, sell when you try to, um, you know, talk to people about doing sponsorship stuff because everyone wants to hear what the egometrics are. I'm, I'm literally, that's going to be my news for it, my new phrase going forward, egometrics. Oh, what's your listener count? What's your download count? What's your, you know, your market saturation? What would be my, blah, blah, blah. all right, I got you. Yeah. On those things. But my argument is, all right, listen, if you with me on the ground level and I'm telling you, here's how I'm looking to push your stuff out and here's how I'm going forward with it. Now, obviously, you can't hold, make a guarantee on an ROI, right? But it's still one of those things where I, I look at it like, listen, if when I wasn't shit, you wasn't trying to fuck with me, then when I get to a certain level where my 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 notoriety or my name actually means something in this space, remember how when I came to you and it would have been nothing to do whatever it was I was asking for, now it might come with a price tag or it might just be a no. Like, and yeah. it could be argued that I'm being petty about the shit. Um, and I understand too the other part of it, like I don't know you or um, you know what you're doing doesn't fit with our brand. Okay, cool. But I also know how you have to make certain brand associates. I understand that part of it. Bottom line is being in this space and not following the trendy things. Like I like I tell everyone for both segments of the podcast, I don't do price talk and then I don't really get into politics like that. And part of the reason why I don't do the price talk stuff is because when you get that 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 um, that taint on you about like everything in your is, is is focused around price talking, like trade level price talking stuff. Yeah, yeah. When the market is down, what do you have to talk about? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think that burned a lot of people this year. So a lot of, I think the nice thing about the bear market, though, is a lot of people talked about new ideas rather than right. the prices. So we're going to talk about what we're going to try to do either to make the price or we're going to come out with something new that help, you know, help the industry or whatever. So that was one nice thing about the bear market. But I do have to admit, it, it makes me feel easier with the price going up today than going forward. So, you know. Uh, I would still continue without the price going up, but it's just, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people like in a situation, maybe even worse than I am going like, I don't know how longer I can do this project. And it's maybe a little emotional bump for them. It's some, some place in the world. Yeah. A little bump for me this morning. It's like, Oh, I'm a little, <laughs> not as panicky this morning. <laughs> so, okay. So even for all of my, my situation is right now, right. Um, my thing was when I got to the point of saying, okay, I want to be in this and I want to be in it where like I'm making a living in it. I wasn't like, all right, I want to be mooded in Lambo and I'm not a, yeah. man, like my, my, my the pilot is a whole three, right? Um, I'm not a, I'm not a fancy frills person to begin with. So, and assuming that like all of a sudden I was falling out with the money thing, I would just end up paying off bills and then helping out my family and stuff. That's literally what it would end up boiling down to. And then I'm off taking a trip somewhere like, Hey, I'm going to be in blah, blah, blah. 
you know, let's try to set up some meetups. Let's try to, and it, and it, and it will come right back to crypto. Like, like all honesty, it will come right back to crypto. I think the nice thing about the bear market is that it made me made me less mean to my users because the users that you know are the customers, I would listen to them when they asked for features. And there were some features like I have to say the plugin did get a little feature scrape uh, feature feature scrape scope. But uh, I would you know gen but that's the thing I come from a tech support background, so I'm used to dealing with people with. I wouldn't say dumb ideas, they just like, they complain a lot. So there's a lot of features that ended up in the past few months that were simply just because people complained. And because I wasn't like a, I, you know, I, I you know, it, it's not like super critical to me, but generally, I, you know, money's on my mind and I don't want to like piss off the entire user base. I usually just generally take a sci unscientific poll and be like, would this be a good idea if we changed it this way? And there was a big grief between a couple of the users because some of the, like, I'm segueing, but some people like different, want to do go different ways. And you just, as a developer, you have to kind of say, all right. Yeah, I think that the bear market and the whole idea has kind of made people, I guess, it weeded out a lot of bad ideas simply because they had the money, I guess. And that people did focus on, well, we got we to focus on actually having a user base and not just having enough money to burn through for like five years and then hopefully have a user base by 2025 or something. So, right. And then um, I, I was looking at something today on, um, damn, what was it? It was on, I don't remember if it was on Instagram or if it was on IG, but there was some Canadian person who the government sees all the bank accounts and they um, started like, um, um, what do they call it? They, they seize your bank accounts and then they start holding property. And I don't remember what the name of the, the coin was that they were uh, promoting, but this literally happened like probably within this week or last week or whatever, or it came out public this week. And apparently they raised like $30 million and they didn't actually make the product. That's the issue. They didn't make the product. You raised thirty million. <laughs> I didn't make the product. Right. And it's just like, come on. Like, I, I still think that in within the, the the crypto space, as far as the ICO stuff goes, um, I'm not a fan of. I ne I haven't dug into the EO the um, what is it IEOs. But I'm not a fan of STOs, um, and my issue with the STO thing is that once you get past ICO, you start putting in an economic barrier to entry. So if this whole thing was about being able to have the everyday person get in, how do you then say, no, we're going to make it a, a financial cap? That's my argument yeah, with that. I didn't, yeah, it, a lot of that terminology, the stuff like the accredited investor stuff, is, like, we covered that. <laughs> I went through like a bunch of stuff at Drexel about that stuff, and I listened. That's like it, it, it. To me, it feels unfair. But they were back. This is basically based off of 1929 law, where early in the 1927 and 28, before the crash, people were just like having bonds and stocks to companies, and these companies didn't exist. I think the Ponzi guy was back then, and um, 
they put those laws back then, but unfortunately, they just kind of kept those on the books for the past, I guess, 90 years. Right. And they haven't really, been really they haven't kind updated. of updated. Yeah. I mean, Kickstarter, me, Kickstarter was a great idea, but you can't have ownership of the company, especially in a product you don't you, you believe in. All you can get is the end product, which I've heard some nightmares about some of those Kickstarters. They never they got $500,000, and never happened. And, but I can see why they're considered. But there's got to be, you know, maybe they can fix this. But they, instead of, you know, accredited investor means you go take, you, you don't have a million dollars because some of those people that, you know, we win the lottery, now you're an accredited investor, you still don't know how to invest. So maybe they have like a class you can register to. And like you get the certificate, I'm an accredited investor. I know my risks. I can now invest this. And, you know, that to me, I'm not in Congress or something, but that seems like a, a compromise. Let's go take a class. And now you're an accredited investor. Make it not expensive. Go to your local community college or whatever but just say you're not gonna that like they're the guy's gonna convince you that a lot of these could be scams you need to be careful um because that was a lot of things about these ICs. i've heard that someone is like oh that, that looks like a scam to me here's here's my all right so we're windling down on time right now so here's what i'm gonna say for um STOs and even the IEOs within the next three years there's going to be scammers in those particular things and when it happens I feel like they're going to turn around and then blame the crypto space for not being regulated enough and then like blame like the OG has like well see if y'all wouldn't have been dealing with the ICO store or if y'all wouldn't have argued against KYC or whatever 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 the argument's gonna be but I feel like they're gonna turn around and then blame the space for not being regulated enough because the scammers yeah. figured out how to scam in whatever thing yeah I, I'm my biggest argument to that is the nice thing about Bitcoin and crypto and ICOs and all that they don't care about borders they don't care yes. about, I mean, literally we bet it in the US somebody in Russia or China or wherever can run an ICO I'm sure people speak English there don't they so you just start a web page and when you send cryptocurrency you can't like block the sending of crypto on the blockchain by IP and you, you, know, you can literally like cut off all the ports to like your home user and then I guess we got like a super governmental firewall but if we cut if we regulate it so hard in the United States people in Russia Latvia wherever the laws are good you're gonna get the money um, you're gonna start and next thing you know in you know 2026 or you know 2030 United States might as well be a third world country in the crypto technology because all the money went to these ICOs overseas. So I think we need to kind of get banned outright, but we basically got to figure out a way to educate people at the same time allow it to happen where it's more it's not just people with a lot of money. Um, otherwise all the money is gonna outflow overseas. I'm sure you're gonna figure out some way to like get your money if there's a scammer, whether he's in the United States or overseas, they're going to figure out how to get your money. So you have to focus on user education. And that's simply my argument. Like, yeah. let's stop trying to make it seem like, because we're doing this double net, this double speak thing of where we talk about, no, users need to have it be seamless and just work on the back end. And then you'll have the other argument saying, no, we need to educate people about what it is and how to use it. But then you're saying, no, let's make it only just about convenience and not having them have to know how to understand it. 
how the hell does that work and how does that avoid you from getting scammed? Here's, here's my opinion. A lot of the games that I play are really complicated. It's like a video game. Like, uh, you can't, you, you probably couldn't give, like, somebody older than us, like, a controller and say, here, figure out Fortnite. They'll figure it out eventually, but you hand it to somebody younger, they're going to figure it out last, last a lot faster, a lot faster yeah. you, yeah, but I think we got to treat it where most of these games have like tutorials and there's an education system and they got Wikipedia's and explaining how to find the secrets, how to get you to Like, I think there's got to be these people, the people that run these app, the dApps and the interfaces, they need to start talking to Nintendo, like uh, Bethesda, all these companies, like, how can we make these interfaces? How can we educate the users? Well, let's let's look at the video. You know, when you start a game, you usually have a tutorial that walks you through it. And there's these video, like YouTubers will walk you through the interface and, you know, the secrets on a website. So there's got to be a little, a little more focus because you can't really say to like, no one's ever told Nintendo or these game companies, like, you made this way too complicated. Uh, well, some games that, yes, they were, but, you know, there, there was a, <laughs> there, there was, but yeah, Zelda, but you, you got to give the option user to learn because if they're just like instantly know everything when they walk into it's like, oh, this makes sense, then you maybe you haven't done anything real value if it's that easy. <laughs> so what, what are they going to do? Push a button and make money? Is that that's what you're hoping to get? There's got to be some user interaction. So. You're right. Actually, I take that, but mine, Miner kind of does that, but, you know, there is a set of process. But that, that is something that, you know, we have to accept. There has to be some user education, otherwise they're invisible to them. Like, literally, you might as well just be a microwave or the fridge, you know, open it up and the light comes on and that's your product. I never think about it, you know. Right. I mean, some people like that idea, but, you know. But, but my issue is I can make my version of a, a, a fridge or a microwave that has malware on it, and you're not going to know because it's just yeah, like, that oh, is true. it looks like the other thing. It's just a, it opens and the light comes on. I'm like, I press the button, and then it, it, it's something like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't know how to distinguish between the dangerous stuff or the risky stuff and the stuff that will actually help you with what you need because you're being told, don't worry about how it works. Yeah. Just swipe or push the button. Like, uh, yeah. I have to, this laptop originally came with Windows 10 S and would only allow you to install executables that were on the Windows Store. That doesn't include Brave and Chrome, which I was like, okay, but there was a bug that wouldn't let me get it off of it and I did like, uh, it was a pain. But anyways, I'm afraid that the, a lot of these companies are making these, well, you can only do it through pre-approved stores and you can only do it, what we say you can do. And that, I think that goes against the whole spirit of what crypto and entrepreneurship is about. It's about learning how to do things for yourself and finding better ways. Because maybe if you, what you could do is push a button, but if you had a complex set of options, maybe you know the pattern of the controls of the, the operations that optimizes your performance. Maybe that's different for the next person. Maybe they prefer a different, maybe they're more visual or audio or uh, the, the learning is different than you. I've seen like the video games, people play the game differently. Um, yeah. You know, everyone has their own strategy and we shouldn't make it like a one-all solution where there's no opportunity to learn and choose what you like the best. That is true. Um, all right. I don't have any closeout question for the conversation with segment, 
what what would be the last bit of thing you want to throw out there? Um, yeah. Um, personally, if I was going to say something non-related to my business, uh, keep an eye on the Fed. I think uh, they're going to cause some macro issues, either it'll help crypto or not help crypto. Um, but it's interesting if you've been paying attention to the, uh, uh, I guess the recession sign, but you know, that might be some people may not want to get that too far deep in the macro, but it looked very interesting like last month with inverted year occurred. But for my own personal thing, uh, uh, feel free to visit vidian.com if you're interested in browser mining, which I guess would be good for if, again, the use case is you've got a bunch of users who either are money poor or they're too cheap to buy your content. You might want to consider, a, oh, and that you can't get advertisers. That's that's the thing. Three things: their users are poor. They want they don't want to pay you, but they want your content, and you can't get advertising. You probably don't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> to some people, um, but uh, um, browser mining might be a solution for you if you were interested. Check out vidian.com. I got links to how you do the WordPress plugin, or the links to the repositories for the open source. If you are a programmer and don't want to do want to do something more advanced than WordPress. Just follow the chain up the uh, the uh, GitHub to the master forks, and you can get the original source code there. All right, GNGs. I will have all of that stuff in the descriptors, and then when I'm pushing out the um the the tweets and the IG stuff, I'll have some of that stuff in there too. Again, this is Naughty Two Fifty Six. I appreciate him for coming on. We've been talking about this for like months, and then we'll be back and forth on Twitter this whole time talking about different stuff. I appreciate you coming on today, bro. Thank you a lot. Um, and like as you heard, GNGs, like I said, this is Trekking Cryptos to Connect Conversations with, and we had a bunch of different talks on stuff. And so, um, yeah, that's it, GNGs. And so the next one. Thank you again, Felty. All right. Thank you. All right, GNGs. There you have it. That is the end of it all um, in total for the conversation of what you know, me and Felty256 were going on about, which China manufacturing, copy left, copyright, sneak ahead stuff, um, authentication as far as like products in the real world. And, like you see how the conversations go, man. And he was a good dude to talk with. He knew a lot of stuff. Um, the space has lost somebody who was really out here working at the ground level to really help mass adoption for everyday people. I'm going to say it that way, and condolences again out to the Philly book folks, and out to the family and his girlfriend and stuff, and um, yeah, G&Gs, uh, oh, um, you know what, I'm just let it go on that one, G&Gs, so yeah, until the next one, have a good one, G&Gs, one.